by any chance have you ever heard of, and I know, listeners, this is something I've talked about before, uh, especially literally a year ago with Andrew, um, because I was reading it at the time. Matt, I'm curious, have you ever heard of a book called The Ministry for the Future by Kim Stanley Robinson? I have not, or maybe I have because you may have mentioned it. I just don't remember because my brain is like a squirrel's because of just, I don't need a long attention span now that COVID has not made me really pay attention to anything. Very fair. So it's a science fiction book that came out in 2020, and Kim Stanley Robinson is ecology, dystopian societies, uh, you know, how the world will change due to climate change. And he's written a couple of different books focused on, you know, for example, uh, New York being flooded because of climate change um, and how people are restructuring their society so that they can actually live and thrive. Elsewhere, he's written about various scenarios for future California, whether it's a desolate landscape a la The Road by Cormac McCarthy, or is it just this, like, capitalist nightmare, which is basically what we got, where, you know, with shopping malls and, like, it's, it's, he's very good at giving you a future that you don't think could be real, but you know he's done his homework, and eventually you find out that it's real. Well, Ministry for the Future follows that same formula. The difference is, is that it's about a made-up Ministry for the Future that's part of the United Nations, that its whole goal is to find a way to alleviate climate change, still live with it, but find a way to live with it where it's not so damaging that thousands of people in India are dying from a heat wave or a big flood is totally taking out Los Angeles, which both of those things happen in the book. Um, One of Barack Obama's favorite books of the year. Yeah, they put that on the paperback copy, and I swear. There's like how many different covers of this? Three, actually. I'm counting three. Okay. I, I, That's I, the, just... I answered my question. <laughs> okay. But yeah, um, you you want to know how to how we alleviate the climate change? We we burn all the oil barons in oil. That's what we do. Take take away the trucks from the conservatives. You don't unless you're hauling things, you don't need a truck. I I literally do not get it. Like I I was talking to my siblings about this. It's like unless you are actively like hauling things for work, why? Because it's got terrible gas mileage. You look like an asshole. You have less like ability to seat people. No one likes you unless you they're, they're needing you to move things for them. Like that's the only time. Like I think it was I think it was Shawnee one time. She's trying to move and she's like, Does anybody have a truck? I'm not friends with any Republicans. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I don't I don't trust people. And like, unless I see them like actually hauling shit, I like just immediately do not trust people who drive trucks. Mm-hmm. I think it's a character thing. Oh yeah, the people that I've known who own trucks that I know personally, and this is excluding a few exceptions. Like you know, for example, my grandfather had a pickup truck. He had this like m- monster. It wasn't even an F one fifty. It was like I don't know F. 250 or f350 i don't know i i don't know the designations of all the different for i it, it, you might as well tell me it's the mach 6 instead of the mach 5 I, it's whatever it's speed racers car i don't care you know like it's like what you're putting fishing pole rods in the back what do you need that for you know 
However, Murica, you I, need it for Murica. Yeah, at that point in his life, yeah. Um, but I, I, people... I don't. I've never seen another country, really. Like now, now that I'm thinking about it, I've never mm. seen when you you're looking at cars from other countries like a pickup truck. It's just fucking America. Yeah. Like I, oh, I don't no. see the Japanese folks really doing it. I don't see like Europeans really driving pickup trucks. I don't. The pickup trucks. I could and... be wrong, but like, is are they just not a thing in other countries? And if so, good job, other countries. <laughs> I know in Mexico, they, I mean, I, I've seen my fair share of pickup trucks, but for the most part, they're either brands from car companies I've never heard of, and they're also smaller than your typical American pickup truck. And for the most part, like, it's either for carrying supplies around, which also entails, uh, and this is just, I, I've seen it, you know, you go... To any town in Mexico, doesn't matter if it's a resort town or, you know, any or a city. Like, you know, if you've got like a team of guys going somewhere to do a job, and you have a pickup truck, well, guess what? You can also put some of your employees in the trunk or in the truck bed. So, you know, it's 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 functional in that way. You don't have that option here, or at least you don't see it here. I don't see it here. Maybe it depends on where you are in the United States. No, the people that I've known that have had pickup trucks, especially like, you know, one neighbor of mine who his home is now the home of the uh, Porsche schmuck that I've talked about on the show before. You know, he had multiple pickup trucks that it was like, oh my God, you don't, you do not need the, all these cars, all these trucks, my guy. But he did work in construction and he did use those trucks for work, you know, and so much so that at one point he used it for a community service project where I needed a larger vehicle to carry a whole bunch of wood. There's that, and even since I've moved here uh, to Massachusetts, I mean, I've seen pickup trucks, definitely not to the same amount as I've seen them in California, and for the most part, whoever's driving them has something in the back, usually. You know, obviously there are areas here that are a little bit more red, so yeah, it, it's all about America. To your whole point about, you know, gas and cars and polluting the atmosphere, one thing that's key to Ministry for the also Future... Also plastic. Yeah. Plastic is evil. Oh, plastic sucks. And and we're all we're all gonna... mutating ourselves because of plastic. Microplastics. I mean, yeah. So, it's... Gotta and love yet, it. The, the recycling scam that these companies are, are pulling is like, hey, you can recycle your plastics and help the Earth. No! Stop manufacturing single fucking use plastic. Stop just using plastic. Use all find alternative solutions, but no, because oil companies again. So Meanwhile, it goes back to let's burn the oil barons, please. <laughs> Meanwhile, countries in Europe, you actually can't. And even in South America, there's you know countries around the world where you actually have plastics and like bottles that like glass bottles that are reused, you know. Yeah. Like, you can like you, see the company will the take bottle. it back and then refill it. Yeah. Um but the the key turning point in Ministry for the Future, I brought my copy with me all the way out here. And the funny part was when I got this copy, I didn't know it until I came home. It's actually signed by the author. Oh wow. Yeah, I I it totally threw me for a loop. I was like, wow, so this Kim Stanley Robinson's actually held this. Um and it's it's a terrific read. It's definitely dry. You know, if you're a journalist and if you've had to write very dry reporting, 
it's easy to read and it's digestible even though there's a lot of like tragic stuff that does happen in it and it's very matter of fact but terrorism in the face of climate change does take place in it and one of those things that one of the examples of that that you do see in the book is acts of terror against the rich with their private jets because what's something that does contribute a lot to you know polluting the atmosphere is all the private jets. jets and it gets to the point where the ministry for the future is like okay we don't want this to extend to the point where we just have a bunch of commercial jets blowing up in the sky which i want to say that might happen i it's again i mean this was last year and lots happened in the last year um kind of a spoiler but it basically gets the world to a point where they fa actually phase out planes altogether and decide, you know what, we're going to go with dirigibles instead. And this, okay. is the big, this is the big thing with this book, is that it's not a, oh, all of a sudden everyone changed their mind. Like, you, when you read this, it feels like something that could have been written about something actually happening today. Because the main characters in the book go through so much gridlock and so much bureaucracy... And so much of this, like, okay, we're not being funded enough to actually be effective. Meanwhile, again, there's heat waves in India that are just wiping people out. And, you know, the Alps are melting. And all these other, th you know, every possible nightmare scenario you can imagine with climate change is all happening all at once over m decades. You know, the book spans multiple decades, I think, until... Maybe the 2050s, 2060s. I think it technically starts in 2020. Um, so, and for the most part, it, it definitely lines up with what we know about things in the world today. And addresses, you know, political trends like, you know, rising fascistic elements within the United States and several other countries around the world. Um, more discussions about class and unionization again robinson does his homework to the point where he, he's definitely going by all the latest statistics and numbers and calculations and predictions and studies to be like okay what's the most believable scenario and he gives you the most believable scenario and that's why even though the side of the book says science fiction i know this is like the pretentious way that people address science fiction nowadays oh, it's not science fiction it's speculative fiction and it's like well ugh. I mean, and to be fair, it doesn't feel like a science fiction book. I mean, it only feels like science fiction because it's in the future. But, like, hey, from a certain point of view, we're in our future. And guess what? Even in the future, nothing works, as they say in Spaceballs. I haven't seen yeah. Spaceballs. You, oh, okay. You, you had a look on your face, and I was I, like, wait, I did you like... I own Spaceballs, but I haven't seen it. Oh, God. I, I feel like I'm surrounded by people that haven't seen Spaceballs. It's driving me crazy. There's uh, only one of us on else on the call, Ryan. You're not, you can't be surrounded. Well, no, because uh, my girlfriend hasn't seen it. Mm. Other people I've met here haven't seen it. And I'm like, what? Getting us back on track here. Uh, Are we ever actually on track? Hey, I, I believe me, I like Stream of Consciousness freewheeling episodes, but... Uh, you know, the, I don't think we're ever stuff. actually on track, Ryan. I think we just kind of have an idea of where to start and babble our way to the end. Well, I mean, babble, discuss. Babble. <laughs> I said what I said. <laughs>